Hey, what's up, guys? It's Adam Eisen here for the first week of my new podcast called The Adam Eisen Show. Basically, this podcast is going to be me looking at weekly sports headlines, primarily from the NFL, but I will dive into other things like college football, college basketball, NBA, MLB, golf, pretty much anything big sports-wise that's going on at the moment. I'm going to try and cover, maybe try and get some fellow Charlotte athletes to come on to talk to me and yeah just have a fun time talking sports i'm gonna start off with the nfl today just because it's going into week five and everything's starting to finally fall into place teams are starting to find their rhythm and for for me at least i'm a big packers fan so you might find me being biased towards them at some points but i just basically want to start with my season predictions at the beginning of this year I called the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning it again. I called it last year. I just thought they had a very good roster, especially with Brady and Gronk. They're very strong. They have a bunch of Super Bowl caliber guys, especially with the signing of Richard Sherman as of late. They're weak at corner, I know, because of two two corners who recently went down who start for them. But I still think come December, all these teams, what a lot of people forget at times is the first month to two months of the season the first four to eight weeks everybody is kind of overreacting and especially happened a lot in week one because we saw big teams like the Packers and the Bills get beat but everybody overreacts but what everybody forgets is in November and December the game is a lot different everything's different in November and December it comes down to big time guys like Mercedes Lou like people who have been in the league for an extended period of time who know what they're doing who know what november and december means to the team to making the playoffs just i think it'll all fall into place and the usual teams we see the bucks the packers the rams will look like their true forms but yeah, with that, so I had the Bucks at the beginning of the seasons. I was thinking it was going to be Bucks chiefs again, even though the Chiefs are 2-2 two and two to start the season. Uh, I'm still liking the Chiefs from the AFC. I don't personally think the Bill. I like the Bills a lot, but I don't think they have what it takes to make it. When we saw with Pittsburgh week one, when Pittsburgh beat the Bills, they brought they didn't bring a whole lot of pressure which is what the bills want a lot of times they want to leave their receiver like cole beasley stefan diggs emmanuel sanders you want to leave those guys one-on-one you don't want to have a safety coming across to help and when the steelers did not leave any of those guys one-on-one only brought four-man pressure the entire game it made josh allen very uncomfortable but maybe not in the pocket but downfield he was very uncomfortable was not be able to get the ball and while they're starting to find their run game through Zach Moss, I don't know if that's going to be able to hold up. And I know the Chiefs come January, they will be there. They might be at the bottom of the division come now, but come January, they will be there. So yeah, still think the Chiefs from the AFC. The NFC, in my opinion, is a much harder thought process. Because on one hand, like the NFC West has four teams, in my opinion, who could go all the way and make it. But I like from the NFC West probably the most, the Rams, maybe the Seahawks. I don't I like the Cardinals, but I don't AJ Green's getting a little old. Their defensive front is great, but I just think Kyler Murray's still a little young. 
everybody's going to need to click another year. And like, especially I like Rondell Moore a lot, but I think he needs another year underneath his belt. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Cardinals this season and to see if they continue on as good of a run as they are, like the last undefeated team in the NFL so far, sitting at 4-0. That's something else I'm surprised about. I'm surprised there's not more undefeated teams already this year, like that there's only one left. Usually we see a few teams at least go to 6-0 and and like straggle along. Like last year we had Pittsburgh go 11-0, and but they fell apart at the end of the year. So for the NFC... I would probably have to still stick with the Bucks. I just like the Bucks so much, especially if they get home field advantage. Playing in Florida is not an easy task for almost any team. Everybody admits it. So that would be very tough for any team to go into. I can hope the Packers can pull it together and make it. Uh, if the Packers have home field advantage, I feel like anything can happen. We could have made it to the Super Bowl last year, but... Unfortunately, the cards did not fall their way, so I'm going to stick with Chiefs and Bucks making it to the Super Bowl. I'm going to try, or no, I'm not going to, I'm going to do picks every four weeks, so beginning of the season was Chiefs-Bucks. Now, right after week four, I'm still going to stick with the Chiefs and Bucks, and come week eight, halfway through the season, I'll look back at my predictions and just see how those are. And then I also wanted to predict the divisions real quick. So for the AFC West, I think Kansas City is going to win it, even though they're sitting at the bottom, like I said, a 2-2. Two and two. I think they'll pull through. For the AFC North, I think the Ravens are going to win it. I hope the Browns are win it since Baker Mayfield came out a few years ago. I really loved Baker Mayfield, and I think he can do really big things for the league. And I know a lot of people don't like these commercials he's doing and stuff like that, but I just think that's the era that the NFL is coming to. And it's just what's happening now. Guys are looking for more ways to make money. And if he's able to keep playing good on the field, I don't see why people should have a problem with it. Going to the AFC East, I think the Bills are going to run away with it. Miami, New England, and the Jets are all sitting there at one win apiece. AFC South. AFC South is another conversation like the NFC West, just a big toss-up of teams. Prob- I've liked the Titans since the beginning of the season. I don't know if you guys know what a survivor pool is. I'm going to dive into that later when I get into more fantasy and picks for the weekend talks. But Tennessee, I picked in my survivor pool in week one, and they lost week one to the Arizona Cardinals pretty badly. So... I've liked Tennessee since the beginning, but I don't know how good they actually are. And I know A.J. Brown is not there this year. He's just not playing well. And then NFC East, I think the Cowboys have it, but uh, them and the football team play twice in the final five weeks of the season. So I think the NFC East is going to come down to that largely. If the football team can somehow win both of those games, then they should find themselves in a pretty good position to win the division. But 17-game season now, it's a long season, long way to go. NFC South, uh, even though Tampa and Carolina are sitting there at 3-1 together, I think Tampa's definitely got it. Carolina just got Stephon Gilmore, which I'm about to get into, but I still like the Bucks the best. They're my Super Bowl pick. I think they're just a 
extremely good football team. NFC North, I got to go with the Packers. Either way, I don't think anyone's close. The Bears are sitting in second right now at 2-2, two and two, but I really think the Vikings are the competition for the Packers in the North. They're extremely talented. They've just had a couple games not go their way, and I think they'll get it back on track come halfway through the season. And I really like Kirk Cousins. He might be an average quarterback, but he definitely gets the job done and throws he throws enough good balls to win the game. And then for the NFC West, like I was saying earlier about the Cardinals, I don't really know about them. I'd probably have to go with the Rams, even though they lost pretty badly last week to the Cardinals. I like the Rams, but the NFC West is one of those where I'm just going to kind of leave up in the air because any of those four teams could win the division pretty easily. So from there, as I was just saying, I wanted to get into some talk about Stefan Gilmore. So Stefan Gilmore the other day was a pretty interesting situation that happened with the reports that came out. Apparently Monday, New England started trade shopping him to a few close teams that were quote unquote trusted throughout the league to not leak information could be older guys guys who have more cred in the league such as Andy Reid for the Chiefs guys like that uh and no one was willing to bite on Stefan Gilmore his cap hit for this year I believe is 7.2 million dollars so no one was really willing to bite on him after he's had a shaky last year and a half his last great year has not been since 2019 but so on Wednesday the Patriots were planning to release Stefan Gilmore at five o'clock and they released that information around noon that day because they essentially they released it at noon that day because they knew when they released Stefan Gilmore at five o'clock that day a team like the Packers the Chiefs the Bucks were going to go out and get better and New England wasn't going to get anything for it so by releasing that information earlier ahead of time it gave Carolina time to call them, and I'm sure plenty of other teams time to call them, and give them something for Stephon Gilmore. Because no team ever wants to cut a player. Any general manager wants to get something in return. They just don't want to lose a player and take a cap hit of $7 million. There's no win-win there for the team. So the fact that Bill Belichick was able to shop Stephon and then get a six-round pick for him when you were supposed to get nothing and most likely help out the cap situation for the Patriots. Speaks volumes about how good of a general manager he is and how good he is at playing other people and just playing the NFL around his finger. While the Patriots may be 1-3 at the moment and lost last week, I still wish that field goal would have gone in and the Patriots would have won. I would have really liked to see Tom Brady lose. I just... Tom Brady is one of the, I mean, not Tom Brady, Bill Belichick is one of the great masterminds the league has ever seen, and I think that goes underappreciated a lot when talking about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So transitioning from there, uh, there was another interesting story that came out the other day that I really wanted to talk about, and it was about Urban Meyer. So basically, uh, if any of you guys didn't see it, Urban Meyer was spotted at a team, or not a team, a club or a bar after a team game team loss in Ohio last Sunday so after the game Urban Meyer did not get on the jet 
with the rest of the team. He stayed back in Ohio, and he was receiving dances from other people in the bar and was videotaped. And now we see this all coming out with the Jaguars after Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jags starting 0-4, that the team just not really liking Urban Meyer. The Urban Meyer at one point got laughed out of a meeting when he was trying to apologize for his actions because these are grown men. I think the biggest problem here is, and Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee and A.J. Hall were talking about this earlier this week. I think the biggest problem here is that they're with... NFL coaches can go to college, but college coaches cannot go to the NFL because in college, we saw with Nick Saban in 2006 with the Dolphins, while in some people's opinions that may just be a ploy for him to get to Alabama, he still went out in Miami for a year and was not very good at all because in college, you are essentially ruling over these guys and college football you are in college football the player calls the coach coach and the nfl the player calls the head coach by their first name there's a separation of power while that might be minor when you're calling someone coach you're calling them as like a superior not as an acquaintance it is leaving a feeling among the players in college football of like being scared of the coach because in reality the college football head coaches control everything that happens for college players. You could be a first-round player and two weeks later, free agent. Because your coach, you said something to your coach, your coach didn't like it, he could mess everything up for you. So for coaches going from college where they have all this power, are able to do whatever they wanted to, to now NFL where... You have to treat these guys with respect. Some of these guys, I know for the Packers at least, and definitely the Rams. Both of our head coach, the Rams head coach, Sean McVay is about 36. Packers head coach is about 33. Aaron Rodgers is older than uh, our head coach at the moment. But there still has to be respect there among all parties. And you can't, I don't want to say lie, but try and deceive NFL players the same way that college coaches can deceive college players and I think that's what's coming to light right now with Urban Meyer there's been coaches in the past where it's come to light where there is just no ability for them to come in and have success because they're coming in with this authoritative attitude and not coming in and trying to work as a team and build as a whole and Urban Meyer, with sticking with Urban Meyer, there was also a video that came out today. It was of Trevor Lawrence breaking the huddle at uh, Jaguars practice today. And the whole team was around him, and they broke with grind and then laughed at Urban Meyer. And I think that, like, either this weekend for the Jaguars is either going to go really good or really bad. And I could see Urban Meyer being fired as early as next week. And I don't see him lasting probably past week eight. The Jaguars have an extremely special talent in Trevor Lawrence. They had to lose 15 games last year just to get Trevor Lawrence. So I don't think management is going to be real lenient about sitting around and waiting for Urban Meyer to get it right when they have 
such a talented QB already starting for them at, in his rookie year. So going from there, I also want my last person I wanted to talk about, and I got to talk about him a little bit, is Aaron Rodgers, the Packers quarterback. He's been playing pretty good this year so far. I think he's definitely back to his MVP ways. And I one of the things I hear of mixed signals about Rodgers, and some guys hate him, some guys love him. It's kind of like, what did he do to your team recently? <laughs> but some guys hate just for some of the reasons that some guys hate him is what upsets me the most because there shouldn't be this negative stereotype, not stereotype, but negative presence around him among the media. All he is though, when he came in, he de- dealt with great controversy with the Brett Favre. While he may have not handled that correctly in the times, him and Brett Favre have since made up. He has been he was mistreated by the organization under Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson for years and was essentially told by the team that he was the one that was going to have to lift the team to greatness and that there was not going to be anyone else on the team like a Devontae Adams type player who can help carry the load. And especially with Aaron Rodgers being 37 now, I understand why all this stuff came out about him during the offseason. I'm a huge Packer fan, but I fully believe after this season, Aaron Rodgers is gone from the team. He's just, it's not going to keep working out for, I count back to probably 2015 when it was the year after we lost to the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game. And played the Cardinals in the divisional round, and Rodgers threw, I call him two Hail Marys. It was really one Hail Mary and another, like, 60-yard pass. But Rodgers threw two Hail Marys that game. Just going to call him that. And we still lost the game. Defense was terrible. Defense for Rodgers has only once been given a top-10 defense. The year he was given a top-10 defense, he went to the Super Bowl and won it. So what doesn't make sense to me is how there can still be no talent put around a man where it's proven if he has talent, he takes the team far. Even if in 2011, we may not have won the Super Bowl or went to the Super Bowl, the Packers still went 15-1 and and sold out their year like they're doing this year to try and get a Super Bowl. And they had a ton of great guys on their roster. But since then, and probably since about 2014, the Packers have really gotten away from spending a bunch of money on big stars. And that's kind of always been the way. But this idea of developing from within for the Packers when it is Green Bay, Wisconsin, and five months out of the year, no one wants to live there, it's kind of ridiculous. You have to pay the guys some money at some point. And this offseason is going to absolutely tear us apart. We are going to be so far over the cap space. I believe we're already about $100 million over the cap space. It's going to be an insane amount of restructuring that needs to happen. 
But at least the other day we got Jalen Smith. Oh yeah, and going back to Stephon Gilmore, I really wish the Packers would have gotten Stephon Gilmore. I don't understand how the Patriots only got a sixth round pick for him. I think minimum it should have been a third or a fourth round pick. Stephon Gilmore is a lockdown corner that if he's guarding a wide receiver too, he could easily change the game. Because if you have for the Packers, for example, Jair Alexander, top five corner in the league, lockdown. If you have put on if you put Stephon Gilmore on the other side of the field from him, the pass game's gonna be absolutely shut down. Teams aren't gonna be able to do much against that. So I was it was very surprising to me that the Patriots were only able to get a six for him. Or maybe they didn't really try past the six. I don't know. But yeah, uh, for the life of me, I do not understand the criticism of Aaron Rodgers. But I guess that's just the way it is when people are great and people beat your team, people get mad. And so from there, I'm going to go, I'm going to try and do, this is, This week's podcast is probably going to be a little bit shorter, but my goal is to always leave the podcast around 45 minutes to an hour long. This week's probably just going to be about 30 minutes. Um, I'm going to go through and I'm going to give you guys the best picks for the weekend, what I'm thinking is where you can make your money and yeah so the film what i did for survivor and this is where i can explain survivor to all of you basically survivor pools is at the beginning of the season week one of the nfl a bunch of people are put into a pool and there's usually a buy-in so and this year we had a buy-in and everybody however many teams we bought three teams so one team week one we had to pick a bunch of teams one of the teams we picked was tennessee and Tennessee lost that week. So after Tennessee lost, we only have two teams left. And our other two teams, we picked the Rams and I forget the other team we picked. But the Rams won that week. Oh, Rams and 49ers. The Rams and 49ers won that week. So we got to take two teams ahead to week two. But in week two, we were no longer allowed to use the 49ers or the Rams on the respective teams we chose them on. Essentially, that's how Survivor works. You go into the last man standing. It gets extremely, extremely hard. You don't think picking games each week is that hard until you try to do it, and it's impossible. So my Survivor pick for this week, I think it's just a lock. At this point, by the way, me, my grandfather, and my dad only have one team left. We started with three teams. We only have one team left. So yeah, last week we picked the Saint, the Giants at the Saints, and the Saints were at home for the first time this year in the Superdome because of the hurricane, and yeah, they lost. And the other game we picked was Buffalo over Houston, and Buffalo, as you guys know, beat them forty to zero. Handled their game. So this week, with one team left, we're really trying to just pick the lock of each week. There's certain strategies to Survivor. You could try and save better teams. You can plan out week by week. We really just go week by week and look at now who is the lock. So for this week, I think the lock for money line and just outright winner would definitely be the Bucks over the Dolphins. The Buccaneers are at home. They're ten and a half point favorites. I would de- I'd probably not bet the ten and a half. I think Miami will keep it close, especially if Tua comes back. But the over under is forty eight. I really like the over there. 
life's too short to bet the under, as I like to say sometimes. So definitely bet the over there if you're looking for any good bets this weekend. I also liked the Panthers game. I'm trying to find that real quick. Yeah, I like the Panthers game. I liked the Giants and Cowboys game. The Giants and Cowboys game. The Cowboys are favored by seven and a half. Like that a lot. I definitely think the Cowboys will cover that seven and a half. But we did not pick that. As I said earlier, we had to go with our absolute lock of the week. And the other two I like, Lions at Vikings. Vikings are an eight-point favorite. Seems pretty solid. Detroit has not been much this year, but Detroit always seems to keep it close. Luckily, it's at Minnesota. And then Eagles at Panthers. The only thing that threw me for the Eagles at Panthers game is the Panthers are only a four-point favorite, which when I look at that game, especially it being at the Panthers, whenever a team is at home, they automatically get three points from Vegas. So the fact that this game is only a four-point game, that means on a neutral site field, it would only be a one-point game for the Panthers. And it's basically like a game every week of what is Vegas telling you. Through the week, we see the lines move, and it's because Vegas, Las Vegas has people everywhere. They're, they hear everything. They know everything. They know if something goes wrong at practice, if someone tweaked their elbow at practice, anything that could happen. If there was some team controversy in the locker room, it gets leaked one way or the other. And basically, while Vegas might not be telling us this directly, you have to look at the lines per week and say, okay, the Panthers should easily take care of the Philadelphia Eagles, but the line is only four points. Why is that? And it's because Vegas knows something you don't and I don't. So that's just one little key to stay away from the games. Obviously, don't make your whole basis off of that because it's very low point of information. But it's kind of a good way to see, because Vegas always, if you go through each week and look at the games, and Vegas puts two-and-a-half-point lines, one-and-a-half-point lines, they are, nine times out of ten, they hit the games within a point. They have it almost exactly right. And they'll put a three-point spread on it, and it'll be 30-27. to 27. It's ridiculous. So you definitely always have to look at what Vegas is telling you. But other than that, this week, I don't like a lot of the games. It is Thursday, so I'll make my prediction for the Thursday night game tonight. It's Rams at Seahawks. Rams are favored by one and a half. But I want to pick the Seahawks here, especially because it's at home, and I love the Seahawks at home. And Rams just lost last week to another in-division opponent. But I think that's also going to help them. No team, especially a team as good as the Rams, like to lose back-to-back. It's just kind of like an extra feeling of urgency. So I would probably, especially with the the Seahawks, I don't know if you guys have seen the running back Chris Carson. He's dealing with neck issues, so he could be out this evening. And if he's out this evening, I really don't like the Seattle Seahawks run game and just if the Seahawks don't have a run game, then similar to what Pittsburgh did to Buffalo, like I was talking about, they can very easily play seven deep and just rush four and create a lot of pressure for us. But DK Metcalf is still DK Metcalf. I love DK Metcalf. 
uh, I'm going to take, yeah, I'm going to take the Seahawks tonight. I'm liking the Seahawks. So Seahawks lines plus one and a half. I wouldn't bet the game. Over-unders, 54. I'd probably have to bet the over there. These are two offenses that I don't think either defense is going to hold. The Rams defense has been great, but I kind of expected it to be better. Yeah. So, I don't really have much more to talk to you guys about. The- oh, I do have one more thing, actually. It's the idea of sitting quarterbacks. I've seen it. So, all of the quarterbacks from last year are now playing at the moment. I'm counting Trey Lance in there because he had to come in for Garoppolo last week and play. And so, all five are playing. All five that got drafted. Just 15 years ago, it was unheard of for a rookie quarterback to come in and start week one. This year, I believe we had two or three quarterbacks do that. I know Trevor did it. I know Mac Jones did it. Oh, wait, no, Mac Jones did not do it. I'm sorry. Mac Jones came in fairly quickly. But now we have all these rookies starting. Uh, Matt Nagy for the Chicago Bears just named Justin Fields starting. And for the life of me, I don't understand why all these young quarterbacks are getting thrown out there. I know front offices and general managers might be wanting returns on these first-round picks that they've been using. But to develop a quarterback, you look back at these guys, and I'm just going to keep going back to Aaron Rodgers. You guys are going to hear that a dozen times, I promise you. But going back to Aaron Rodgers, he was able to sit behind Brett Favre for three years and he's even said that has been that was one of the most beneficial times and even there might be so much more so much controversy around Jordan Love right now he's admitted that he's learning more than he ever has sitting behind someone and i truly have faith in Jordan Love because he has sat for 2 years and he was already a good talent coming out of college but when you allow someone to sit and develop and learn the game that's why i think Jameis Winston is going to just going to continue to be so good this year and developed and become better and better. He might have gotten drafted in 2015, but sometimes it takes guys a few years. And Jameis Winston did not need to get thrown into a Tampa Bay offense and scheme back in 2015 that was not functional and overall was just not very good. So week one, year one, he was thrown in, played terribly, And he was never taken out, and nothing ever really changed. And then he was able to go to New Orleans, become developed, get developed by Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and even learn with Taysom Hill. And look at him now. They might not be winning a whole lot of games at the moment, but my two and two. But look at him now. Balled out week one, at least. I remember that game against the Packers. But for I don't understand why. Their offenses oftentimes struggle. We've seen it work out. Even recently, we saw everyone is chasing to find the next Patrick Mahomes. But Patrick Mahomes set for a year behind Alex Smith, a great teacher, which he's admitted that he would not be as good if it was not for that year behind Alex Smith. So I don't know. Like The Jaguars went out right before the season and got rid of Gardner Minshew so Trevor could start. Why Why do that? Even if Gardner Minshew is going to be the backup, all they can do is learn. Guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, they 
have been the best examples for that. Having a guy like that on your team where other guys can learn from and see their experience, see the way each week that they conduct themselves and go about their daily lives, it helps more than any of these front office guys who hardly even see what happens or just really there for the checkbook. It really makes a difference. All right, that's going to be all for this week, you guys. I'm glad that you listened. Hope to see you again next Thursday when I put out week two of the Adam Eisen Show. Thank you so much.